God, thank you that no matter what, uh, you will never forsake us uh, if we are in you. I pray that you would speak to us, you speak through your word, you speak through Michael. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And again, welcome to Christ Community Church this morning. It is good to see each and every one of you. We are in the middle of a uh, series on Colossians, and uh, we are in a section towards the end of chapter 3 where Paul is being very practical, as we said a minute ago, about the idea of what it means to identify with Christ, what it means to have died with Him, and what it means to be raised up with Him. And so he is uh, talking about those foundational relationships in society, and we spent three weeks talking about marriage, and then last week we talked about uh, the role of children, and this morning we're talking about parents. And so if you will turn to Colossians chapter 3, there is an outline in the bulletin for you to follow along. So while you're turning there, there is also, uh, Snowbird is having a men's conference, and there is a flyer on the back table back there. No? On the front table out here, if you are interested, and that is, and I can't remember the weekend, of September. 13th to the 15th of September, a men's conference at Snowbird, which is just in Andrews. So if you're interested, pick up one of those. And again, if you need a bulletin, you can raise your hand and Bo will give you one. seems like there was something else I was supposed to say, but maybe not. So uh, just one verse this morning, Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. I'll read that and then we will... uh, We will talk about it and see if we can gain some wisdom. Paul writes, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Let's pray and then we'll look at God's Word together. Father, thank You for this morning and I pray that You would bless our time, that You would encourage us, that You would challenge us, and that we would um, be changed by Your Spirit. That we might be different and that those around us might uh, be different. And then ultimately that you'd be glorified. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Um, If you're familiar with uh, Paul's story in the middle of the book of Acts, uh, beginning around chapter 14, 15, he is uh, challenged about the way he's doing things. There are lots of Jewish Christians who aren't very appreciative of the fact that he is bringing Gentiles into the church. And so there's this big meeting that has to happen. And then after that, he wants to go back and visit all the churches he visited on his first journey. And he and his very dear friend Barnabas get into such an argument over who they should take with them that they they don't come to blows, but it's a heated argument and they part ways. Paul, it seems, has at least for the time being lost a dear friend. He shows up in Philippi and abruptly gets thrown in jail. He gets out of jail, he goes to Thessalonica and they run him out of town. He goes to Berea, and it seems that maybe things are changing. These people in Berea seem to be interested in hearing His Word, but the folks from Thessalonica don't really want God, Jesus' name proclaimed anywhere, so they come to that town and run Him out of there. He goes to Athens, and when He mentions the resurrection from the dead, they laugh at Him. And He shows up in Corinth, worn out and beat up, and once again His own countrymen, the Jews, reject Him. If I were Paul at that point in time, I might be asking myself a few questions. God, 
what's exactly going on? Did you, did you send me out to, to fail? Or is there a bigger purpose here? Um, I might be tempted to be discouraged. I might be tempted to want to give up. To throw in the towel, so to speak, and say, you know, the little gain that I seem to be getting is really not worth the effort that I'm putting in. Or, this just isn't going to work. You know, we've tried this in various places. It, we're just not having much success. Maybe it's maybe we need a, a plan B. I'm going to leave that for a moment, but I want that to stick in your mind for just a moment. That discouragement, as you're probably all aware, can cause us to at least think those thoughts. Is it worth it? Is this going to be successful? Do I need to keep on or is it time to think about something else? And Paul addresses that issue in relation to fathers and children. As we read in verse 21, he says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. So the first question is, can all the wives take a back seat this morning and go, okay, he's talking to the dads again, I can snooze. Well, he is, sort of, but that word fathers can mean, because it's plural, can mean parents. It does in other places in ancient Greek. And so, ladies, you're not out of the boat here. Plus, we talked about, when we talked about husbands and wives, that the wife is the helper to her husband. She brings wisdom and insight and intuition and knowledge and skills to that relationship. And so, again, while the husband, we said, is, is ultimately responsible for the decisions that happen, to say that, that Paul is not addressing the parents here would be short-sighted and probably a little foolish. And so these ideas apply to us as parents, male and female, again. So what are we not supposed to do? Well, it says that we are not supposed to exasperate our children. Uh, depending upon your version, may say, provoke your children, may say, embitter your children. Uh, that word really means to, to cause someone to uh, react to a challenge that's been given. You may say, well, there's anything wrong with challenging your kids. I mean, we, we challenge our youth all the time in, in here to do hard things. Isn't that a good thing, to, to challenge them? Well, actually, that word is a very neutral word. It, it's not positive or negative. Depending upon the context, it could be a, a good challenge or a bad challenge. For instance, uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that, that his challenge to the Corinthians, or the Corinthians in a sense, their, their challenge to a, a nearby town about being generous in their giving towards some saints who are having a hard time in Jerusalem, it actually stirred up or challenged or provoked a nearby town to also be generous in a very good way. Right? We've done something. We've caused this other town to be provoked to want to do something else in a positive way. But here, Paul's not talking about a, a positive thing when he says, don't challenge your kids because of the result. And so we know it's a, a negative thing. He says, don't challenge or exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Literally, that means so that they will not lose motivation to keep going. You don't want to interact with your kids in such a way that they go, 
It's just too hard. Now, that doesn't mean we don't challenge them to do hard things. But as I was thinking, I think there are, there are two big categories that people fall into when they're tempted to give up. And those are the things I want to address this morning. Parents, as we interact with our kids, do we do these things to them to make them want to give up? The first is we put them in a situation where they go, I can't do it. Or they just really don't think it's possible to achieve what we're asking them to do. We've, we've challenged them in such a way that they go, it's impossible. I'll never measure up to that standard. The second way is, I don't think the effort that I've got to put in is worth the outcome that I'm going to get. When we don't show them the intended result of what we want them to do, we just say, here's the rules, do it. And we don't paint a bitter, bigger picture. They go, this is hard, and I don't see what I'm going to get out of this, so why bother? So I want to talk about those two things. Look at the first one. First, the... I can't do it. How do we act as parents that, that challenges our kids to make them think they can't do it? Um, first of all, the difference between excellence and perfection. Between excellence and perfection. Um, if you are a perfectionist, and sometimes I tend to be one, you need to be very careful that you don't enforce that on your children, because they're not going to be perfect. We should strive for excellence. We should strive for, to, to encourage and help our kids to be all that they can be. Um, but that idea of everything's got to be perfect is it's disheartening. And you've challenged them then to, oh, I, I can't do it. It's just too hard. I think the other way where that, that sneaks into our behavior is um, if you're like me, you have character flaws. And you know the consequences of not overcoming those character flaws. And so out of a deep love for your own children, out of a deep desire for them to not end up the way you ended up, you're going to do everything in your power to get that character flaw out of them because, you know, we pass those things on. And so, you're too harsh, you're too demanding. In other words, I don't want my kids to do what I've done, and so therefore, I'm going to make sure at all costs that they don't end up like me. And when that's the only vision that you have is, I just don't want them to, to suffer the way I suffered. That's all it is. That becomes very perfectionistic. You have to do this. You don't give them anything else to look forward to. Finally, the difference between excellence and perfection is, is ultimately how you do that. It, the words may be the same, but are we bringing in the process that Paul has talked about? Is it just, here's what I want you to do, or is it, here's what needs to be done and here's how to do that? Do you teach, as Paul does, putting to death the deeds of the flesh and l putting on the new man? Do you model that for your kids? When they see you struggle, because they do, do you, do you help them to see, look, here's what I'm doing to try to overcome this sin. 
And here's what I'm doing to put on the new life. Here's how I've embraced the fact that I'm dead to sin and that I no longer fear death. And here's how I am working through the process of of embracing the fact that sin no longer has power over me. When we do those things, I think we strive for excellence instead of perfectionism. While perfectionism says, I don't want you to be this way, so I'm going to push you to be different. The next thing, legalism says, I don't believe you can change, so I'm going to put a fence around your behavior because I don't think you can actually be different. And so the next thing we want to talk about is the difference between excellence and legalism. As we've said, legalism is, I don't trust the Holy Spirit to change you. And so I have to give you rules. As a parent, especially for those of you who have children who are believers, are you more focused on rules or are you more focused on their relationship with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to help them to change? Again, it goes back to what Paul talks about. Are you going through the process of the gospel affects sanctification? The realization that we're forgiven the realization that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us to change. Because if all you're doing is setting out rules for them, that doesn't set them up well for life. Because they're one day going to leave your house and they need to know how to deal with sin. And so that doesn't happen in your home. When they get out, they'll do one of two things. They'll continue to put barriers in their life and be legalistic, which leads to Frustration, which leads to just a lack of zeal and fervor for God. Or they'll simply just walk away. It's not worth it. It's not, I can't do it. I'm tired of the, the rules because they've got no deep relationship with Christ. And we have the privilege and the honor of helping them go from because when they're little, we do. We have lots of rules. We've talked about that. Immature people need rules. Lots of them. The world is dangerous. Stoves are hot. Streets are busy. Siblings don't get along with each other. But as they mature, we need to teach them. Because ultimately, our goal is to release them into the world to be lights to the darkness. And so... Are you more interested in rules or are you more interested in prayer? Are you more interested in here's how it's got to be or here's what a relationship with God looks like and here's how you can be different? And then finally in the I can't do it category is do you show them excellence by practicing grace? Is there forgiveness? Is there mercy in your household? Do they see you experience failure and ask for forgiveness? All of those things are important as you model, I'm going to walk in excellence with my God, but that only happens through grace. Second, the, the second big category is it's, it's not worth it, it's too hard. I don't, see, I don't see what you're trying to get me to do and this, all these rules and this living this perfect life it's too difficult. I can't measure up to what you want me to be. 
And so the question is, ultimately, what's the goal of our instruction? Because we are called to instruct. We are called to discipline. We are call, called to set boundaries. But ultimately, what's the goal of that instruction? What's the goal of those boundaries? What's the goal of that discipline? Well, several things. Number one, always, and should be forefront in our mind, is the glory of God. Do you paint a picture of God's majesty and His grace and His wonder? That is ultimately what we're shooting for. As parents, do we do that? Do we, do we allow our kids to see the wonder? Which implies that you see the wonder and the majesty and the glory of God. And if you don't, it'll be hard for you to, to impart that to others. And so if you struggle with that, then I would encourage you to spend time in passages like we've talked about in Colossians 1 and 2 that paints those wonderful pictures of who God is, of who, of who Christ is, of the one who gave himself for us, who was fully God. Spend time meditating on those passages, soaking them up, memorizing them, so that the wonder and the glory of gra- and the grace of God gets deep into our hearts so that we can then communicate that to our kids. That we would spend time in places like Isaiah the, from chapters 45 through the end and see His wonderful plan of, of salvation as He encourages and challenges and rebukes the nation and yet always there's grace and grace and grace and grace and His hand extending towards His people. Reread through the creation account over and over again and marvel at and especially here in this place as we can sit out and look at what God has done and just let that soak into your lives. Because we want to point our kids to the glory of God that we don't just do the things that we do just to do them. We don't just do the things that we do just to be good boys and girls. We have a God who deserves our reverence and awe and service. And then second, do, do they know that there is beauty and that there's goodness and that there's fulfillment in following God's way? We say, but I, I can be fulfilled by following my sin nature. I can be fulfilled by going after those things that I want or that I think that I need. Do we believe and do we communicate that fulfillment ultimately comes with a deep relationship with Jesus Christ? that that's how we're ultimately fulfilled. That that's the goal of walking with God. And then finally, do they see you persevering through hard things? Do they see you overcoming difficulties um, with grace, with patience? Because ultimately, that change has to begin with us as parents. If we're not modeling these things, it'll be difficult to teach them to our kids. So what about Paul? I want to go back and and revisit that for a moment because if you're familiar with those passages I read, 15 through 18, you know that I left out a good deal of that story. I highlighted all the negative things and sometimes that's what we do in life. We, We focus on the negative things. But in every one of those places Paul went, he did see response to the gospel. In every one of those places that Paul went, other than Athens, 
he had someone at his side, a friend, someone to come alongside him. That big stink about Jews and Gentiles, when he got to Jerusalem, he found out that all the apostles and the elders were actually on his side. He was encouraged. And at the end of that long trip, when he got back to Corinth, he found two people of like mind, not only like-minded in, in spiritual things, but the same profession as him. They had, they had commonality in Priscilla and Aquila. And then God spoke to him and said, Paul, it's going to be okay. This is a good place for you to be. In fact, you're going to see success here. And he did see success all along those ways. He saw people come to Christ. He saw people turn from their ways. And you and I, even though in the midst when we think, God, life is discouraging and I can't seem to get a break, we have to remember that God is going before us. That He promises that. And just like Paul got a, got a revelation from God, we too have that as well. There are gentle nudges from the Holy Spirit to remind us that He's with us. And we have the revelation of His Word that we can turn to at any time we want to for encouragement and a reminder of His faithfulness. A reminder of who He is. And that's really what we, we come to celebrate this morning. As we taste of the, the bread and the fruit of the vine, we are reminded that God is faithful. And we're reminded that even though we read through God's Word and He says, I expect holiness from my people, and we go, well, <laughs> that leaves me out. Might as well give up. But as we sang earlier, if we come to Him by grace, then justice smiles and asks no more. Our holiness is bound up in the perfect life of Christ that He lived. And we can all go... And we're renewed and we're filled by the Holy Spirit to get up when we fall down and put another foot forward and say, okay, I'm striving for holiness by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me. God Almighty indwells me. And we need to be reminded of that on a regular basis. And so we come this morning to celebrate what God has done for us, to remember what He's done for us. And as parents, to be encouraged and challenged that even if we have made mistakes in the past, that we can start today to honor Him by our actions and to help our children see the glory and the majesty of God. And so, in a minute, we're going to pass out the elements. We uh, invite all who have accepted Christ to partake. And parents, we trust as we gather together that you know your children um, well enough to know whether they need to partake or not. So would you pray with me, please, and then we will, um, we will partake together. Father, thank You for our time this morning and thank You for Your Word. You have truly blessed us. You have given us hope through Your Spirit. You have given us peace through knowing that, that we are cleansed and made new and made whole. So God, we 
pray that you would use this time to encourage us, to strengthen us, to nourish us with your grace and your love and your mercy. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.